When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. Welcome back to the 30th episode of Open the Voice Gate. Yeah, 30. Yeah, Milo, it's 30. Insane, right? It is, especially in two and a half years. Two and a half years. That's, <laughs> that's about an episode a month. That's not like... Podcast, the podcast with the most inconsistent recording schedule in recorded history. Yeah, it, it's like... Look at the lunar calendar, and that might got, give you a sense of when we might have episodes... <laughs> But yeah, we're back. I'm Mike, joined with Milo. Milo, how have you been? Uh, really freaking busy. Yeah, that's kind of been the story of our lives lately. That's why there hasn't been an episode. Both Milo and I have been incredibly busy. But yeah, so it, you were in Kanagawa for a bit. 
I was in Canada while my boss was on a business trip, so I was like hands on uh, with the kids for two weeks. Couldn't find like a, any moment to record, so yeah. But that was fun. It was a fun little retreat. How is Kanagawa versus Kyoto? Well, Kanagawa is like the suburb of Tokyo, right? Okay, yeah. It's the suburb of, to- of Tokyo. You have Kanagawa Prefecture and you have Saitama Prefecture. Um, so Kanagawa is like where Yokohama is. All right, I, I can visualize this now. When I heard you, when like you would when like you would message me, oh, I'm in Kanagawa. I had no idea on a map where it is, but now <laughs> I understand. And uh, it's chill. Honestly, I think Kyoto and Kanagawa both are chill places, mm-hmm. but Kanagawa has that kind of like it's the old people's town. So it's the Florida. It's basically it's the Florida of of Japan. Um, <laughs> Uh, and Kyoto is still kind of like um, active, mm-hmm. you know, because it is a bigger city where I'm Kanagawa, the prefecture, and you have all the small cities and Yokohama, but it's very, very, very chill. So, and, you know, I mean, it's nice that it's close to Tokyo that I was able to go back to a few places, but it was mostly just really, really calm and we spent most of our time in the garden. Oh, that's cool. You probably have had a lot better weather out there than I have, so I'm jealous yeah, of that. Yeah, it was really sunny and warm most of the time. We actually had tornadoes roll through South Carolina and North Carolina yesterday, and it was 75 before the storms rolled through. But it was The storms came in like within two hours, and the temperature dropped 20 degrees Fahrenheit. It was insane. Jesus. Yeah. That's the South for you, though. But... Before we get going, just so you all know, since it's been kind of a while since we've recorded, and there's been so many shows that we've been catching up, and we might have watched one a long time ago, or might have watched one today, we have about four or five big topics that we're going to get to on this episode that we're just going to kind of just talk about, like, the big things that have been happening in Dragon Gate. And a lot of stuff has happened, especially some tea over the last week, I could say. Yeah. But, um... You know, few people don't want us to talk about it, but it's uh, it's interesting. It, it's interesting. We, we we put our investigative journalist hats on, and yeah. we've gotten down into the truth. But before we get to that, I f- I feel like that we should probably get into what I feel like has been like the big story so far, at least in the last month or so, and kind of the story of the beginning of 2018 for Dragon Gate, and that is that. Katoka retired on March 6th at Corican, and he had 10 years in his career, just under 10 years, actually, and he retired at 28, and it was a really, really touching show, I felt like. Mm. Like, it hit all the, good po- all the good spots for me. It felt a lot more authentic than the last few graduation ceremonies, in a way, so I really, really enjoyed the lead-up to it. And then the show itself. Uh, what You actually got the chance to see Katoka before the retirement because you got to see the Champion Gate shows, right? Yeah. I went to... I had the sweetest... I had a really, really good experience going there. Um, so I, I went over the weekend to Osaka and I went to both Champion Gate shows um, to see him, you know, one more... Well, two more times, actually. But um, 
I was really happy that I got to do that. I mean, I feel like everybody who knows anything about me and wrestling Twitter knows how much he means to me. Um, as, you know, the character that he portrayed and also the resilience that he showed as an athlete uh, and as a person. So I was really glad that I got to celebrate him one, you know, and again. Um, and especially that I got to see him team with his brother. Yeah. Uh, which is something that I think it's really sweet that they've let him do that a lot on the road to his retirement. Um, and I think, I, you know, OG's still really, really young and still, like, barely a few months into his career. So we'll see where he goes. But I feel like that's lit a fire under his ass. Um, so we'll see. But, yeah, I, I, did, I did get to see him. I got to have really sweet interactions with him as well. Um, overall, it was just a really nice experience and I'm glad that I have that memory of him and I think talking about him teaming with OG that was one of the really nice storylines over this four day period from Champion Gate right into Corkin that even though Katoka retired and it was closing a door on one part of his career he it had a little bit of finality that he was able to team with OG in a bigger stage and he was able to that OG came in and demanded a match with his older brother before he retired, which I thought was very poetic in a way. And it's I, really, really sweet. Yeah, yeah. And I really hope it does light a fire underneath OG. I've been really impressed with him so far. Yeah, he I I don't know if like maybe he's been training for longer than most because his brother was a wrestler and maybe he trained with him a little bit. I don't know, but I think he shows real promise, definitely, and I'm I'm excited to see where he goes uh, from there. And also, and, oh, go ahead. Sorry, especially since I remember something that made me really like emotional was one of the post-match promos um, after him and Kotoka teamed together where OG was like, I'm going to try to become, you know, as good as my older brother and Kotoka just told him to become more than that. Yeah, that was so powerful when that promo. I was like, I was like okay. I'm going to go cry in a corner now. I, I'm usually someone that, like, I'm not necessarily openly emotional, but, like, that promo yeah. and especially how the Corkin went, I, like, felt my my eyes water and I was just like hit pause need to take a second to compose myself during that lot during the uh, 10 man tag and then especially that moment after when Katoka put OG down with, with a bunch of calderas back to back yeah. <laughs> like he has an older brother so he had to bully him a little bit I guess <laughs> but it was it, the, the, this these were kind of the, like the big like heartwarming stories that I think Dragon Gate when they do and decide to tap into this that not a lot of other promotions can do that and mm. and, and like I look at like Katoka who is someone who had a he, he in a lot of ways even though he he wrestled for 10 years he had kind of two separate careers in that mm -mm. It, it, especially because at least like 
Katoka has been wrestling ever since I followed Dragon Gate, so I could I could follow him as like the short kid with like the crazy hair, like doing, <laughs> doing his debut, being a World One member, which is something that I I feel like kind of gets forgotten sometimes is that he was. I mean, oh, sorry. Does it get what gets forgotten more? The fact that he was in World One, or the fact that he was in Madogiwa Windows. Well, personally, it's World 1 because of who all was in Madagiwa Windows. Of course, but you're like one of the only people who remembers that unit even existed. I, I, I still wish I could somehow find a uh, Windows MGT shirt. But no, you're right. You're right. Like, he had that run in Windows. And then starting with the end of the Millennials, that was really when he started hmm. to take on a side of his own. He stopped doing the uh, Shima imitator gimmick. They... He came back from Russia for a little bit. And he had like the Russian hat on, which I totally forgot about until the the, pre, <laughs> the pre-match video. You know which one I'm talking about? Mm. It, it was actually like a pretty strong look. I was like, dude, I would wear that hat everywhere if I was him. <laughs> but like, the second part but... of his career with Millennials and Berserk going into Maximum, he really was for, went from someone who was very much like in a UT like role to becoming what I felt like one of my favorite guys on the roster from someone who for like the six years previous to that he was just kind of there for me i feel like also that cutoff of his career between between that and the start of millennials is also where that character with that ongoing story really started to develop Mm -hmm. because you had the first letdown with shima and then he went right on into his cycles with seahawk and shingo yeah so that's really where he started putting, I feel, like the efforts of building this um, this lore and this this uh, backstory and and the intricacies of the character that he was portraying. And and he was it was really unique because, especially, where, in a lot of promotions, don't really take care or let people portray these kind of characters with any sort of authenticity or without comedy like that the, there really was a very authentic vibe to katoka well, i think that's i think that's what made people love him so much because katoka is not someone who has a lot of achievements to his name you know he's only ever won one title um he was never the leader of a unit or even the number two. Um, he didn't, you know, leave an impact as like, in terms of like achievements. Yeah. But if you watch a lot of the shows from that second period of his career, especially when he was a babyface, he's very clearly one of the fan favorites. Oh, yeah, especially with Cork and how it was for his retirement and dating back, like, as soon as they announced his tour began and the whole entire Maximum run, like, he was a great spark plug for Maximum. And I think it's a testament to the fact that he really portrays a character that is more human, you know? Oh, totally. Than, like, the Iron Man Mochizuki or the Big Bad Wolf Takagi it's easier to emotionally connect with a character like Katokas or like KZ, for example. Um, yeah. Than these guys. Mm-hmm. 
So I think that he really gave that to the audience, even though he didn't have much in terms of like paper achievements. And he always felt important in his second half of his career too. Mm-hmm. Like he would never truly like the whole storyline about Katoka being the weakest member of Maximum versus the Jimmies. In a lot of ways, it really cemented the fact that yes, he is one of, if not the smallest person on the roster, but like he was like the like I'm trying to remember which cartoon this is that I saw as a kid. But, <laughs> And I'm aware that you you probably haven't seen it, but it was one of it was like a little side bit on one of the uh, Warner Brothers Looney Tunes cartoons where oh. it, there was like the little yappy dog who like led a gang <laughs> of like big burly like pit bulls. <laughs> but like that's it, maximum. Yeah, I mean that was maximum. Yeah, and and inverser kind of as well. Mm-hmm. Mm. And like the whole break with him, like when millennials disbanded and he was losing it was such an interesting time period because it was such it was something that unless you were paying attention you've been like what is this little dude doing shade trying to shave this guy's hair (laughs) and then just like snapping but it was so interesting and it was so different and yeah it's going to be there's a loss i feel like it's not not only in maximum but in but in Dragon Gate right now without him. And I I hope that OG is able to, like Katoka said, be better than him. But it's going to be... It's interesting. This was the first wrestler that I really followed from the beginning of their career to their end who's had such a long career in Dragon Gate. You know? Like, a lot of people would come and go, beginners drop out, but not someone who had, like, 10 years. Like, that's... like. I turned 32 that year. That's still, like, a third of my life. Like, it's 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 kind of crazy in that regard, and I think that's something that kind of struck me as I was watching all these shows. Mm. But, for me, definitely... I mean, you know I haven't been following him for, for as long, but I did have that connect... Like, it always feels kind of weird to have to separate the connection to the character to the connection to the performer because I do have that really strong emotional connection to the character but I also have that deep admiration for the performer and like seeing how he was always set back by injuries and kind of treated like the water boy essentially Um, but always kept going you know he always showed up always performed um, and he's, I mean, he kind of looked, in the Millennials even, he kind of looked like the runt of the litter. Yeah. Because Lindemann, Lindemann was the the one that everybody was raving about, and UT still got to hold titles, but Katoka was just kind of there. And he always kind of looked like that also in Berserk, where everybody kind of treated him as more of a mascot. Yeah. Um, and... You know, he just always... I feel like he's one of those people who just kind of always takes what he's given and turns it into something better. Yeah, like... Especially... And when he was given opportunity, like, even as the Brave Gate champion and what all was going on at Berserk at that time, he was... Mm-hmm. You could tell that he very much wanted to do what... When he was doing his storylines and doing his run, he wanted to make it 
interesting if it was not going to be like the crazy epic match that he was going to there was going to be character in it there was going to be storyline like he got what he was trying to do mm, I mean I do encourage people to go back and because I feel like that match kind of is forgotten now and the basis of it the storyline of it was pretty iffy to me yeah. but match in itself was really good which is Katoka versus Maria from Champion Games right 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, the storyline behind it wasn't... Not good. Was not good. But the match itself was really good. And I feel like up until some of the matches he started to have with Maximum, that was probably his match of his career. Yeah. De- oh, definitely. Because he won that... He won- I mean, he stole that... with Tanizaki and, Toz- and Tozawa. Right. Um, and then his defense with Eita will not be remembered for how good it was. Oh, God. Ugh. <laughs> um, but that Maria match was definitely... I feel like it kind of kicked both of their careers into gear. Yeah, totally. Because Maria um, had... And that's another match that I really wish we could see again now... Uh, in 2018, but Maria had that match um, in December of 2015 with Mochizuki. Yeah. At like the last Kodakuen of 2015, I think. Um, which was really fucking good. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if people remember that match, but it fucking ruled. Yeah, and, and that was the cork, and that was supposed to be the Tozawa adventure thing, I think. So <laughs> it was everyone trying to trying to piece together a card and they put in that match and Mochizuki was like, alright, this is what we're gonna do now. And it Mochizuki, like Mochizuki beat her in like three seconds mm-hmm. and then she got back up and demanded a rematch and the rematch was actually really good. Yeah, totally. No. I, kind of, I kind of want now like a King of Gate Maria versus Mochizuki match. I don't know if they're in the same block, but alright, but I want, I want another singles match between them eventually. Oh, yeah, that, that'd be super interesting. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like that was kind of the time where both of Katoka and Maria's careers kind of kicked into gear, and for them to have this great match against one another was interesting because they're the two millennials that didn't really get anything. No, they didn't. And now, you know, Katoka was really important to Maximum and really important as, like, the mood maker of the card. And Maria, we're going to talk about her in a little bit, is becoming, you know, like really coming into her own as like the queen of Dragon Gate. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but, uh, you know, I miss, I miss him. I kind of had to like take a break from wrestling after that because I was like, just broken, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, when Tazawa left. I had not uh, like a full break, but I had to take a step back so I can commiserate a little mm-hmm. bit. But I feel like yeah. mm-hmm. I get the sense. I didn't, feel, I didn't realize that I'd been like gone for so long from wrestling, but I just like I needed to like reassess everything after after he retired because I felt like I just kind of lost. Uh, and this always sounds weird, but. Because he's not fucking dead, but I still kind of feel like I lost someone important to me. And 
I am glad, you know, that I have the happy memories of him. But I miss him. And and they sent him out the right way, you know. They, they did. His retirement match was pretty fun, and I'm glad that he got to have that kind of cherry on top um, two minute match with OG. Oh, totally. It was the only other thing that was even kind of close to it, but it didn't even have that feeling was when Maury retired. But Maury was older. He, he'd been around the block with Katoka. It really felt like that since he made his announcement, it was all about him and it felt really special. So, and it'll be interesting to see what he does. He, there's no indication that he's going to be doing anything around Dragon Gate. I mean, yeah. He's 28. He used to be a TV reporter, so there's a chance he maybe, might. Sorry? Maybe maybe he'll go back to that. Yeah, maybe he'll go back to that. I think it was TV aside, uh, TV Aichi was where he was at. So, mm-hmm. You know, as long as he's happy in his life. Yeah. yeah. It, he started a YouTube channel, right? I think so. Maybe like for like fitness or something? I mean, that makes sense because he got progressively more and more ripped as his retirement oh, as his retirement tour happened, as Road to Final happened. I was like, damn, K- Katoka, you're Jack, son. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. He's still on Instagram, which is great. And he... Yes. Occasionally, I, I'll, like, flip through, see a story, and it's like, oh, OG's there. And I, I'd like to believe that seeing how Bing K broke down during that, I like to believe that Bing K is probably seeing him, like, line messages, like, twice a week, checking in on him, you know? Ben K is a huge softie. I know! The- ben K is a huge softie. When he started crying, mm-hmm. I was like, oh! And not to be mean to him, he he's not, like, a masculine crier ever, you know? so cute like when he cries he cries hard Binke feels deep emotions and I like that kind of aspect about him you know emotions are as big as his body yeah he he looks like he's trimmed down as an aside it might have been just just, what oh I thought that Binke trimmed down a little bit it might have been getting his cardio up for the match with Mochizuki but he seemed a little bit less thick than he used to be maybe he needs to get to give some of his advice to Linda man oh that boy. Lindemann is like, you could roll him down a hill. And, and, and he's always been a... He's, me- he's mega cute, and I'm sure that like his thickness is like all muscle, but his thighs are fucking the size of like a legitimate, legitimately like a tree trunk. And he's like five foot two, and he's like just... Like a tree. You're right. L tree trunk now. But yeah, he, he. I don't know. I don't know what happened to him. But uh, this is what happens when you spend he's, too much. He is thick. He he is not. C H I C C. It's not even slim thick. He is thick thick. Yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see. Now, like the one thing that it all did like all the shows did to me especially watching the uh, champion gate shows and corkin together really got me interested into og as a character 
So I'm really stoked to see what's up with him. Uh, we didn't really talk a lot about Champion Gate. Were there any other things that kind of that that you can remember from seeing the show live that stood out to you? Um. Oh. Okay. So what? Okay. So this has nothing. I'm sorry. This has nothing to do with like what happened in the ring. But I feel like That's I need fine. to explain that I. I finally know who are the people who bring, like, the banners for the entrances, you know, like those banners on stakes. Oh, yeah, sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, oh, totally. Yeah, they were there, and they're, like, legitimately called, like, the Dragon Gate Osaka support team or something. Like, they have t-shirts and everything. They were really cool. Oh, that rules. Yeah, and they had, like, I think Kness and Dragon Kid for those shows. Yeah. And that was really cool, because you would see them scrambling to put on their banners and, like, to change the banners. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was interesting to see that that part of the show where you usually just see the banners on stage and not not really the people that put in the effort in like printing them, taking them to the venue and like putting them together. Yeah. So yeah. Um, but yeah, no. It's, uh, speaking of the show in itself, uh, the crowd was really hot for the title matches. Yeah, like, like even the punch at one. Least... Sorry, what? Even the punch one. Even the punch, but because, okay, so punch is a little bit like Kotoka in that he's kind of the loser and the runt of the litter, but people fucking love him for it. I mean, yeah. Root for punch because he's always getting his ass kicked. Yeah. I, I, I could see that. I've just never been a punch Tomonaga fan. So like when it- And that's fine. That's yeah. valid. But it rolls but, they has fans. Uh, yeah. It rolls they has fans, though. People were definitely hot for him. I can't believe that I witnessed this moment of uh, history, mm-hmm. if you will. Um, <laughs> and uh, I don't know. People were really hot for it. I think probably the mat, the the match that people were the most like hyped for and hot, the crowd was hottest for was definitely the triangle date. That match ruled. And yeah, for good reason because that match fucking. Rule like it rocked my my life so hard. I told you before, like when we were preparing for the show that I literally ended up like on the floor. And I'm I know that I'm like the king of exaggerating, but I want you to know that that is a hundred percent the truth. I was on my knees on the floor punching the ground. It was that good. It's probably my favorite match of Dragon Gate's year outside the KZ title match. Like it was that good. I have to imagine Honestly, live. I would go. I would probably go with that too. Yeah, but I have to imagine I, seeing that live. It would be insane. I feel like every, like the role really well, and mm-hmm. everybody really connected with each other. And I, I feel like the one thing that we have to talk about is how well Jason Lee and Maria worked together. They that final stretch with them was so awesome. Yeah, like honestly, Jason Lee is one of those guys that. If you're not a regular Dragon Gate viewer and you just watch a show that he's on, you would believe that he was trained in the dojo. Oh, totally. Yeah. Like, uh, he has adapted so well. The crowd loves him. He has amazing chemistry with essentially everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, He gets the offbeat Dragon Gate humor. He gets those big, like... That speed wrestling that Dragon Gate does in those big title match, like multi-man title matches, um, he just gets it, you know. Mm-hmm. He just really, really. And I, I hope that he sticks around. I think like, he I is. Feel, yeah. 
I feel like it's a really, really great fit for him, and I feel like Dragon Gate needs him. And he's such a good uh, fit with Maximum, too. He is a great fit with Maximum. He's very, very... like... Not only does he work really well with Doi and Yoshino as a trio, but he also works well with the other members of the unit. You know, he has this sort of, like, um, buddy comedy with Shimizu. Oh, yeah. That is fucking hilarious. And he works quite really well with Ben K as well. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, Jason Lee in Dragon Gate has been, like, a win for everybody. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And, you know, and, the person that I was kind of impressed by from, and I'm usually, we've been detractors of him, Flamita, in this whole entire thing when he's been doing less of the perennial Bravegate thing, has been so good back in Dragon Gate this year. Mm-mm. Yeah, I really, I really appreciate the fact that he's able to kind of know his place as a part-timer. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, we all enjoy a little bit of Flamita in our lives. But it's so. the little bit that we need. We don't need the whole lot. Exactly. Especially, like, I mean, I know that a lot of people, including you and John, were getting really annoyed at his cycle of, like, hey, I'm back, give me a Brave Gate match. So I'm glad that he's not uh, not doing it um, while he's here and just kind of enjoying being there with Bandito and with Tribe. So, yeah. Bandito rules, by the way. I Bandito got... is really good. I like him a lot. I, I feel like we had a really good crop of, of foreigners yeah. in Dragon Gate recently with Jason Lee, uh, Bandito, Scarlet and Graves, uh, I mean, Flamita, I'm not going to, like, count him in that because he's been, he's been, he's been around for a while. Oh, sure. But, yeah, those four already are just really bringing in uh, a lot of interesting things and a lot of interesting matches. One of the matches that I got to see in New Orleans that I really enjoyed was at the Crash, and <laughs> it had... Crash really does exist. Oh, it exists. I saw it live. Another perfect legend. I I saw okay. Le Park live. LA Park. Oh Jesus Christ! It was nuts, dude. Like, uh that th- there's few people who have that aura. LA mm. Park has the aura, but there was like this four team like scramble match that had Scarlet and Graves in it, and seeing both Xavier and Wentz live, but especially Wentz since I've seen more of him through Dragon Gate. The stuff that they are able to do is insane live. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, oh, but yeah. And then Bandito, rule, Bandito rules. He had a match with Daga on that show that was like only four minutes because a funny thing about this crash show, it went two hours because they made everyone else's time short because they were afraid that L.A. Park wasn't going to hit his time and just go do whatever he wanted. Mm-hmm. So like every other match was like four minutes, five minutes. But, like, it was, like, a four-minute match with Doggo where they just, like, beat the crap out of each other. And it's just, like, Bandito has a lot of wrestling ability that's not just your standard Lucha Libre. And I hope that if he's coming back soon that he brings that with him. So, that might be Mm. my one WrestleMania story for this uh, podcast. But Champion Gate was, that first night was awesome. I loved that Benkei versus uh, Mochizuki title match. Fuck Yes, and I I do the story that they've told with those two. 
Oh yeah, it ruled. Because that title match, that title challenge stemmed from Benkei fucking annihilating Mochizuki in like three minutes. Um, in like February. Um, and I like that it took Benkei three minutes to beat Mochizuki, but it took Mochizuki like 25 minutes to beat Benkei. I thought that was a really interesting way of of showing the ba- the power of Benkei and the resourcefulness of Mochizuki. Yeah, and that's kind of been the story of Mochizuki's tile reign, which I love it's, so much. That's, yes. Like this is this was his what like his fourth fifth title defense. That was key. It was it was Yokosuka Saito KZ. That was key four. Key four. That was a fourth. And then he had the fifth with Shimizu, right? Which we'll see. Who knows when? <laughs> In 2022, probably. Maybe. Especially with how the network's going so far. So oh, cool. we'll get into the network later at the end, but yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I love, and I was really impressed with Ben K because that was like by far the longest singles match of his career. Yeah, that was his test. And he passed it with flying colors. He did. He, he held up his end of the bargain and... <laughs> I loved how he was, like, like, I say this, I feel like I've said this, like, what, like, the past three episodes, but Masaki <laughs> Mochizuki is one of the top five wrestlers in the world today, and he's 48 years old. You can say best wrestler in the world. Oh. Just, I, currently I, active, currently active, currently active, is there a champion who is having more varied and consistently excellent matches than Mochizuki? When you put it that way, Milo, no. I mean, I know that we're the Dragon Gate podcast and we're like, we have to hype up Dragon Gate, but I feel like if you present the facts objectively, sure. there is no one. I mean, who, Okada? But he's been champion for 15,000 years. So it kind of wears thin after a while. And it, his matches, for the most part, are... De- uh, other than the Saber match, his matches have been... Samey, whereas Mochizuki's had five matches, including the Yamato title win, and each mm. of them have been completely different. He told a story like an old All Japan style with Susumu. He did a, a Dragon Gate style shorter uh, title match with uh, Saito. He, Honestly, he... I still maintain that that Saito match is like an underrated gem. And that's the crazy thing, because that match was also really good. Mm-hmm. And then the, the then... KC match. Ugh. I vapors think of the KZ match. The mm. oh, the KZ match. <laughs> and, and then Benkei, like the one thing I'll say is he really made it feel like that they that the match was like him breaking down the tree, chopping at the tree, chopping yeah. at the tree. Because and... Benkei, when he did those, I think it was some kind of counters. Yeah, was freaking beastly. And, like, I'm going to tell you that deep down, I knew that there was maybe, like, no way that they were going to put the title on Ben K. Mm -hmm. Like, there was no way. But some of those near falls... Oh, I'm with you. ...really had me going, like, oh, my God, they're actually going to do it. And and as an aside, Ben K's theme, legit banger. I love it. Yeah, Absolutely. It fits him so well. Mm-mm. But yeah, like the the one thing I'll say, and the, and 
given that this was his first chance at this kind of match, I'm very forgiving about it. Benkei, at the tail end of it, it was either incredible selling that like he was not able to connect as fluidly as he would be able to earlier in the match, or he was winded, but it worked. So, yeah. it was awesome. Uh, I th- sorry. I think they worked a really great story with that match in that, in the end, what ended up costing Benkei is that he doesn't have enough of a sleeve. Mm-hmm. What ended up costing him was the repetition and, like, always trying the same things, whereas Mochizuki is someone who... I mean, he's been wrestling for as long as Benkei's been alive, essentially. Yeah. So he has a quicker mind to think up new counters if the things that he tried before didn't work, while Ben K is still very confident in his own power and his own ability and so just kind of always goes for the same thing. Yeah. But it doesn't. And he has the swagger that you can tell like that he's he needed to be like come to the learning tree with Grandpa Mochizuki and learn how <laughs> how a wise wrestler wrestles, you know? Oh, I love it. Like Champion Champion Gate was I, I always really like Champion Gate each year just because you get a bit of everything. I mean the uh the the, the Twin Gate match was very good, but it paled in comparison to the two I, at least in my opinion, the two main events of the nights. Oh, I, I agree, I agree. But, like, I like how Ada is breaking out the Biblia now as, like, his <laughs> as like his uh, flash pen. I think that's been an interesting storyline. But Champion Gate, I, would, I loved it this year. And Me too. So, two thumbs, four thumbs up, I guess, for Champion four Gate. Thumbs up for, four thumbs up for Champion Gate. Uh, being there live, that was really a cool experience, mm-hmm. especially because... Um, I mean, it was that also that venue, you know? Right. Idion Arena, it's one of those venues where you kind of have to go because everybody, like, everybody runs there. And it's really fucking weird because it looks nothing in real life like it does on TV. So is it just lighting that makes it look that way? I think so, because first of all, it looks a lot bigger in real life. Like, a lot bigger. So it's probably, like, the way that it's filmed mm-hmm. that makes it smaller. Sure. But I don't know. It just didn't. It just doesn't look at all uh, the way that it that it does on tape. I buy that. That makes sense, though. It was, yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting to be there. Um, the, the venue in itself is a lot more chill than others that I've been to. Mostly because the lobby is a lot bigger than, like, for example, like Karakuen, so mm-hmm. it's easier to navigate. Yeah, that's uh, a, that's the thing I heard about about Karakuen is that it, it you're like a fish, fish swimming upstream when you get to the lobby. That lobby is fucking. It's so fucking tiny, and the thing that I don't understand is that they use that lobby for like merch. Right. But there's also a whole ass room back. Like, I don't really know how to explain it, but when you get into Kodakuen, you have the lobby, then you have the stairs to the orange seats. Mm-hmm. And then when you turn to the uh, to the right, you have the ticket booth, and then you have a corridor that goes into another room that also leads eventually into the venue. And that room is a lot bigger. Yeah. And the only time I've been to a show at Kodakuen that used it as, like, the merch room was for Big Japan. Really? And 
yeah, it was a lot easier to navigate that room, even with everybody trying to like get merch and talk to the wrestlers and everything, than it was to navigate the lobby. And I don't understand how a company like Dragon Gate that has, because Dragon Gate has a like a very elaborate merch um, setup where they have, you know, the normal merch stands um, with the, the t-shirts and whatever, but they also have a lottery and they have this collaboration with like a photography company or something like that. And they have the spot where they sell the used gear. And so I feel like it would be a lot better if you put them in that back room. That's a lot easier to navigate. Yeah. Because otherwise you're like Dragon Gate more often than not sells out Karakuen. So it's hard to navigate that lobby when there's also like, I don't know, like a not everybody goes into the lobby for, for like information. So I'm going to say like, there's maybe 500 people in the lobby, yeah. 500 people in the Karakuen lobby. You basically feel like you're taking the train in New York on a warm summer day. <laughs> it's very annoying. So yeah, Ideon Arena definitely gets points also for having a bigger lobby. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it was really enjoyable. Um, and like I said, I had good, good I, have, I made good memories there and really sweet memory with Potoka as well. So of uh, all in all, Champion Gate was probably one of my best wrestling experiences that I've had since I got here. That's awesome. I'm glad that you got to do that. So, should we get into this? Let's do it, baby. Alright, so, uh, I'm going to just give a pre... I'm just going to give a preamble, I guess, before we really get into this next part, which kind of has popped up on Twitter over the last week or so. But, uh, I've done some research and talked to some people and I have looked in different ways and I've, Milo's, Milo's heard me and read all the stuff that I've had for this. Mm-hmm. So we're both first in this. So let's talk about OWE, Shima, Chingo, what the heck is going on right now? Because there's a lot of speculation and not a lot of answers and there's a lot of different ways this might shake out. So, the big rumor going around because of his social media was that Shima usually had Dragon Gate Shima or DG Shima as his social media tags has changed it to OWE Shima. And this is, if you're someone who's watched a lot of Dragon Gate and has been following it this year, you might have noticed something. Shima's not around. He is based at the moment full-time in China for OWE, which is a a new Chinese promotion based out of Shanghai that is led by the former... He, the owner has a ton of money. He has links to the Shaolin Kung Fu Academy and, and a film producer, and he is associated with the founder of K1 the Chinese version of AKB48 and Dragon <laughs> Gate was attached to them starting last year. Like I don't know if you remember the like initial announcements about Dragon Gate in China, Milo, but I, I do. I remember when they did the live stream and everything. Yeah. So the, the, this has been something that Dragon Gate's been affiliated with for a while and the reason why Shima was over there is sh- there's one of Shima's favorite things about wrestling is taking talent especially younger guys 
training, mentoring, like we saw through like when Ricochet and Matt Seidel were came through. They had such a strong relationship with Shima. So they naturally thought, Shima, you train all these wrestlers because they had about oh geez, like from the live stream it's it seemed like they're like dozens of wrestlers, right? Wait, pose. I'm actually looking for Shima right now. Did he delete his Instagram and Twitter? Let me uh, look. I saw stuff on him from both earlier today. So. I can't find... May, you know, maybe he finally heard what I was saying and blocked me. But <laughs> I mean, who knows? He's a... Uh... Yeah, let me look up it. But the big thing is, he's been based out... Oh, he's still there, so he might have been blocked. <laughs> What's the handle? OWE Shima. On Instagram. Or actually, OWEShima.jp. Oh, right. I'm not blocked. I just couldn't find him by just typing Shima. Yeah. So, But I can't find him. What's, what's his Twitter? Same? It might be the same now without the dot and it without the period. I can't find that. But... Oh, there he is. Oh, it's yeah. still... Because it's, it's still Super Shima. Yeah. But he, he changed it to... OWE Shima. Mm-hmm. This is... I don't think... I don't know if people realize how fucking huge this is. Yeah, this is... And, again, this is still in very much in development right now. I'm trying... This, this is a moving and developing issue. Shima is off but who of... Would be, oh, who would ahead. we be if we didn't talk about it? Who would we be if we didn't talk about it? Especially yeah. when the powers down don't want us to. <laughs> well, th- th- there's a lot of interesting things about it because... I was talking to someone affiliated with the company, around the company, and they mentioned that there was some management stuff going on, and they left it like that. So management can mean a lot of different things. It could be that because of Shima being in China, that management isn't going as smoothly. It could mean mm-hmm. that there was a argument, and Shima was like, okay, I'm going to China. I'm, y'all deal with this. I'm going to China. <laughs> It could be that there, like, if people want to really extrapolate and say, "Oh, there was a power struggle," struggle there might be that. No one said, no one, no one affiliated with the company is saying exactly what's going on. And I will say this though: mm-hmm. Dragon Gate is a company of egos. I, wrestling is built on egos. Yeah. But Dragon Gate is notorious for housing big egos. Not just Shima. Just so we're clear, this is not a dig at Shima. This is just an observation of the history of Dragon Gate, and we know that a lot of people in this company have huge-ass egos. And it's... I, I think some of it comes from a source of pride of what they built, you know? Of course, of course. But it also ends up in stuff like this. Yeah, it does. It totally does. So it's interesting. Uh, it's also worth noting that when the Dragon Gate network was released... There were a lot of little clips of people like Doyoshi. I saw one with Yamato of like little like I, my, my Japanese is basically I can pick up a word every once in a while, but it seemed like that they were like welcoming people to the network. And I think that's what it is. Yeah, I haven't watched them, but I think that's what it is. But Noshima, of course not. So it's interesting. Uh, it might be, and this is even more speculating. On my side, it might be that because of what maybe OWE, whose first event did an insane amount of, of streaming viewers because it was available in China. Wasn't there like several million people watching? 
I've heard big numbers thrown around that do not surprise me with how live streaming is in China. Like, Mm-mm. live streaming in China, like, a big deal was made about Ameba, or I'm mispronounced, the new owners of DDT having their platform. In China, like, esports usually in China gets eight figures viewership. Just, Jesus Christ. It, it, that, that's part of why wrestling wants to get so involved there. So, yeah, so that is a big platform for basically anything. Yeah, for everything. Yeah, and it's OWE could have seen the success and knowing that they had the money and said, we don't need Dragon Gate anymore, and Shima was kind of left with these half-trained wrestlers because I saw some of the matches, and these guys are incredibly talented. They are former Shaolin Kung Fu practitioners. Like they, like, they are trained, and they have, like, the body control that, like, when people ask, like, what makes, what would be the best backing to be a professional wrestler, and people say, like, gymnastics, Shaolin Kung Fu might be one of the top ones, because they're, because mm. they're just, like, they're incredible, and they, of course, because of what they're trying to do, it's kind of idol-based, a lot like how Dragon Gate and uh, Toriumon were, so, like, they're very handsome young men doing incredible stuff, and <laughs> they even have, like, they even had the Shanghai version of AKB48 come out with the show. That is cool. So he, he is there training these kids, and the split happens. And again, this is me speculating. And it could have been, I don't want to leave these half-trained guys. You know? So he could just finish training them and come back. I mean, we, we, we can reassess this after after Dead or Alive, because by, at the, at the, by Dead or Alive... He's not on any cards up to and including Dead or Alive, right? He is not in King of Gate either. He's not in King of Gate. Okay, so here's my take on this. Yeah, go ahead. And I'm going to try to be as coherent as possible, which, you know, is hard for me. Um, so here's the thing. I think that if Shima had straight up up and left Dragon Gate, there would have been some kind of announcement. Yeah. Because that is one of the biggest stars of the company. Mm-hmm. One of the guys who's been there for the longest. And you would imagine, despite his ego, one of the guys that has the most company loyalty. Yeah, I mean, he was one of the guys that was there at the split. He was bawling his eyes out at the press conference for the split. Like, he has loyalty. Yeah, 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 he absolutely does. And he is one of the people that helped build Dragon Gate to what it is today. Right. So... I feel like taking all these factors into account, you would have to imagine that someone would have made some kind of announcement. Yeah. Whether the president or the official accounts or even, you know, he who must not be named. Mm-hmm. Um, but the social media thing intrigues me. Yeah. The changing his handle and his social media descriptions and bio to, um, <clears throat> sorry, to include um, OVW, uh, oh, sorry, O-W-E. Yeah. O-W-E? Not yeah. O-V-W. I was going to say. So that, that's entirely different. I was going to say, yeah, no, OVW <laughs> hasn't existed for almost a decade, really. <laughs> <clears throat> to include OWE. And, com- and not only that, but uh, completely phase out Dragon Gate mm-hmm. is very, very, very suspicious. Like, it's very suspicious. 
And I feel like it could be taken a lot of different ways, like reasoning and how it could be construed from doing that change, you know? Like, one side could be him being a good soldier. He is, he was the OWE champion, of course, naturally. Shima. Sorry. Sorry, what? Oh, Shima is the OWE champion, of course, so. Seriously? Yep. The- <laughs> This I know. Is the least surprising thing I have ever heard. I, I figured you get a kick out of that, but uh, so he could just being the good soldier and be like, "I'm representing the company I'm a champion of right now," or it could be something more. So it's interesting, and it's developing, and I kind of, oh, go ahead. Like I said, I I know that it's only social media, but it feels kind of weird that even if he was working there for an extending period of time and deciding to dedicate himself to the training of those kids, that he would um, erase Dragon Gate from his, you know, places of contact like this. And an interesting thing is, is that he's doing over the last pretty much from, I don't remember the exact date of it when he first did this, he's been doing more traveling, like not even considering OWE, he, he's been doing more traveling and more freelance dates. Like, he did that weekend in uh, England for for FCP with uh, Ada and Mochizuki. He was in the crash and DTU earlier this year. And he has a weekend coming up in Las Vegas, of all places. Okay. I'm looking at his Facebook page right now. Yep. And it also his profession says professional wrestler at Oriental Wrestling Entertainment. Right. So it's shady. It's shady, and no one's saying anything. It's shady. No one's saying anything because no one wants to admit that Shima might have a foot and a half out the door. Yeah, it could be that way. But it also, given his personality, you'd think he would say more. Given that they would have to make some sort of announcement if he's truly gone. They'd, they'd do more. And who knows how this could play out. I, I I would like to say, if they go for a certain way at Dead or Alive, then I'll be pretty... The, the, then the writing might be on the wall. And Are you going to talk about that later? Uh, I think we'll talk about when we get to Dead or Alive a little bit. <laughs> but, oh, no, no. Yeah, he's not the um, only one that's kind of been doing stuff. Takagi, of course, has been doing all Japan. And yeah, all well, Takagi can leave and no one will miss him. And I, I, I think it's just worth mentioning that uh, uh, both T-Hawk and Lindemann are not on uh, King of Gate either, mm. which is worth mentioning. There are some rumors going around about, about T-Hawk maybe doing another tournament about that time that also happens in May. Only rumors. Only rumors. But... It's interesting, it's developing, and if this plays out how it might play out, this might end up being the non-New Japan Japanese wrestling story of the year. Yeah, because that, that's what we were talking about um, when the story kind of first surfaced, that if Shima does end up um, out and out leaving Dragon Gates, it might be like the biggest shake-up that they've had essentially since the split. Yeah. It would be bigger than than Magnum getting fired, mm. at least in my opinion. So it will be interesting to see what actually does happen 
because it could spell a lot of different things for the company. And it's also worth noting that um, with his relationship that he forms with younger wrestlers, and especially Gaijin and people he's training, there's a lot of loyalty there. So oh. it'll be interesting to see if he... Oh yeah, Shima's boys will always be Shima's boys. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see that there's a lot of moving parts here, and again, as I've been saying the entire time, this is still very much a developing issue. Mm. So I felt like we'd be remiss if we didn't spend some time on this we'll definitely talk about this in future episodes as more stuff becomes clear but that's your shima dragon gate oriental wrestling entertainment uh news update um i will probably because i have the link to it for people who haven't seen it before because it's really kind of interesting to watch the uh first owe event was streamed and is accessible it's not geo blocked or anything like that so i might tweet it out for people to watch because it's an experience to see it's interesting it's cool in a lot of ways and it's quickly kind of become the big thing at least in chinese wrestling so with that being said there's been a lot of other things going on in dragon gate since we've last talked milo and one of the things i really get want to get into because i think this is a very promising and interesting thing is kz's leading a unit hell yeah baby so it was at the Corkin earlier this month that they formally announced that his alliance with Susumu Yokosuka, Ginky Horiguchi, Punch Tomonaga, and returning from wherever he might be, Dove Pro, doing reggae shows, who knows, Brother Yashi are forming a unit and they'll have an official name and maybe colors by Dead or Alive. So what do you think about this unit? Brother fucking Yashi, are you kidding me? I mean, he's still freelance, so... I like that. I do like, though, that um, this time around he was like, well, yeah, you guys know that I have a habit of turning on people, so don't expect too much. We can say a lot of things about Brother Yashi and his choices in life, but he is very self-aware. I love him. I love him. I, you know, You know I've loved him ever since I found out about him, but... After meeting him at the Dove show, I just, I love him. Oh, you never told me about meeting Yashi at a Dove Pro show. I did meet, I did meet Yashi at the Dove, Dove Pro show, and he is like the warmest guy. Like, he was talking to, first of all, I know that this is going to sound weird, but they were actually kids at this show, which is good. <laughs> That's awesome. That rules. No, they're not, like, really, like, small children. But it's, a, I think it's okay, because there wasn't too much, like... Depravity? depravity exactly um but he would talk to like every single kid and like give them high fives and really take his time to talk to them and like um even though the kids were a little bit like who the fuck is this man especially Uh, how he looks yeah well he's kind of like he's he's a small smaller guy so oh i was just thinking about the guy with like the the beard that way and the the colored dreads for like a kid yeah that's but no, no, no. He was really just, like, talking to everyone and, like, really talking to the kids, talking to the people, taking his time to talk to everybody. Like, even as people were packing up their merch and leaving, Yashi was still there uh, sh- shilling his bandanas and talking to people. That's awesome. I like... <laughs> yeah, he's a really, really, really nice guy. And he's really warm. Like, literally, he's a living heater. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it kind of makes sense, though. Hmm. But yeah, so 
those five are now in a unit, and I like it a lot, even with Punch the Monaga. Like, can't you see... Like, you know, every unit needs, needs a lost post, right? Yeah, and Tomonaga gets a lot of crowd reception, and, peep, and yeah. he's good at that. Mm-mm. But yeah, yeah, I loved already, like, the stuff that went on in March and April with uh, KZ and Yokosuka and Genki, so... Yes. It's, it's cool. Like, I think this is an... It's a different unit than usual. So, I'm stoked for it. It's... I think it's gonna be... I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how it comes together, seeing if they recruit someone else. Um, I'm thinking about OG, you know, because... He's not in Maximum, right? No, he's not. And I, I sort of felt like they might make a play for him, which hasn't happened. But I feel with, like, with the circumstances and with the way that he's been given the spotlight, that they might try to put him in a unit quite soon. And, he's, and he has an opportunity to be in King Gate this year. He is? Well... They uh, what they're doing is one of the spots in King of Gate is the winner of the April twenty second rookie representation oh, match. Right, I remember reading about that. Yeah, yeah. But the but the downside about this match, like, well, let, let's just take a moment and talk about this match because it's <laughs> that this match. I have to be honest, kind of, as someone like me that I'm an optimist, you know, I'm a pretty like okay person. It is a kind of a bullshit match. Because it is the, uh, there's a six or eight person tag. I'm trying to pull this up on, I'm trying to pull up the listing for this match. So I apologize as I'm selling for time. But he's in it. And then you also have people like Kaido Ishida and UT in this match. Ooh. And it's supposed to be the rookie represent, representation match. <laughs> and it's like, okay, of course, Shun. Yuki Oshioka, Hio Watanabe are in it. But then you have, like, these two guys, and it's like, UT, man, I know you're finally back in, back in your groove, but, like, you're not a rookie, bud. You, you, you've held the triangle gate, like, three times. <laughs> My dude. So, Let him dream. Let him dream. Come on. Hey, I mean, if it gets him in the tournament. Okay, yeah. Hey, here's what it is, because this show will be on the network. Uh, well, this show will be on the network in September. But it'll be there live at least for a week. Okay. It'll be there live for a week, but it's the rookie rep- representative six-man tag match, and this happens at at Fukuoka on the twenty-second, so six uh-huh. days, uh, or five days for you. But uh, Kaido Ishida, Shun Skywalker, Yuki Yoshioka versus Ut Hio Watanabe and Oji Shiba. Hmm. So those are like the six the six people, other than Ut, and really like the five people that I feel like. At least for the older three rookies, they need to get some movement, you know? And I think that, like, Brother Yashi would be like, oh, hey, you look like a frog dude to Shun, and be all about that. So maybe Shun will be in KZ Goon. Who knows? I mean, he definitely is goofy enough. He's goofy enough. He has red and he has green and yellow and orange which fits the colors that KZ has been wearing lately, and Rasta colors. Oh god, this is gonna be the stoner unit. Oh yeah. This is just, this is just gonna be the babyface deep drunkers. Yeah, yeah, this is gonna be the 420 Blaze It unit. <laughs> I mean, which... 
you, you know, it'll be it'll be fun just because like I also like to imagine like while they're like on tour, like that maybe uh, I I don't think that of course they're gonna be smoking weed in Japan because of course drugs in Japan, but I can just imagine like Casey and Yashi getting into like a beatbox like rap battle, and I like that because they seem like the two guys that would. That would be funny. All the while, Susumu is like guys up. Uh, uh, guys, uh, did you hear that outside? I, I think the cops are nearby. The cops are nearby. We need to go. We need to go. <laughs> Susumu, you were married to Konda for like five years. You know how to evade the cops. <laughs> that is fair. Fair. But, yeah. So, that's going to be a new unit coming up. And we'll know within the next few weeks before, uh, before Dead or Alive. Mm. Their name and their colors. I wish it would be purple, but I think... I'm resigned to it being green. When, when are we finally going to get our purple unit? Oh, you, you know, purple is Susumu's color. So maybe he can negotiate this out. Please. I, I, I want to see Shun Skywalker in a purple whatever that costume is. That would probably look really dope, actually. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Ginky's dreads... Uh, which I'm not, I'm not certain if those are actual... Oh, it's his extensions. His extensions. They're extensions, Mike. His extensions have been, like, blue and purple over the last few months. So, mm. who knows? I'm probably looking way too deep into this, but that's kind of what we do here. So, that's been a big thing going on. Another thing going on that you kind of touched on earlier, but watching through these shows really stuck out at me. And my note for this is just Maria losing her chill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So. She's really out there, like... She's out there making things happen. And being awesome while doing it. Yes. Like, like she... she had... Like, I mean, honestly, I, I said it earlier and I'll say it again. Her interactions in the rain with Jason Lee were the highlight of the Triangle Gate match. Mm. And she's continued it. Like, since then, it's, it's all been about Maria. And it's been great. Like, she's so angry about KZ leaving that she wants to prove herself and, like, not be a joke. And she has the uh, Brave Gate challenge against Dragon Kid, which should be really, really interesting. So, can I talk about this? Are we on that show yet? Oh, yeah, let's get to Dead or Alive. (sighs) So, happening on April, oh, not April, we're in April right now, Mike. Happening <laughs> on May sixth. May sixth is Dead or Alive. As always, I'm gonna I'll read off the matches on the card. As always, it's in Aichi. It will be on the DG network, and we have the full card. The full card came out today. The undercard matches are and starts off with an eight man with with Gama, Monday Ryu, Kaido Ishida, with Shun Skywalker versus BB Hulk, UT. Hio Watanabe and Yuki Yoshioka. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that one? How far the BB has fallen. Wasn't he injured though? Again? Like, I was watching the uh, the, the show know, from Kobe, and they had all the flags out, and he wasn't on any of the shows that made tape in March. For someone who was in this like special Japanese United Forces thingy, whatever it's called. Yep. The secret he is terrible at taking care of himself. I mean, he's also older, too. That's true. He's almost 40. Hey. 
He looks good for someone who's almost 40. Oh, yeah. He... Mike. Yes. I'm literally known on Twitter as the dad fucker. <laughs> I'm not going to shame someone for being almost 40. Hey, I'm only five years younger than him, so I'm not going to judge him. But so. it is weird to think that one of the big the big six is almost four years old. Yeah, but he had a later start, too. He is, he is, the, he is the eldest. Yes, he is. So, By like a month or so, to be fair. And he he will be 38 this year. Yeah. It's kind of wild, to be honest. Mm. But, mm. yeah, he is in the opener with uh, UT, which is kind of where UT has been. But UT has been great since he's been back. And I actually... His match that he had at in Kobe, the uh, in the Brave Gate title tournament against against Jason Lee, it was really short, but it was like a good like five minute little sprint there. So I'm all for UT, but the rest of the match, I mean, it's what you expect for an opener. I feel like you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, match two is Kness and Don Fuji. I guess reuniting the uh, we uh, team veteran returns, or we are team veteran. I forget which iteration. But they're going against Hollywood Soccer Ichikawa and uh, Sachi Hoko Boy. So, yeah. I mean, it's going to be... <coughs> sorry. <coughs> it's going to be comedy. Yeah. Um, Don Fuji is probably going to try and throw both of them off the balcony at the same time. Um, it's going to be your Don Fuji comedy match on a big show. Mm-hmm. Essentially. Yeah. Match three is kind of interesting to have a singles match on, like, a non-title singles match on these shows is Kagatora versus Takashi Yoshida. So, that'll be interesting. There's not They don't do singles matches that often. That's on. really all they have for Kagatora? I mean, everyone else is kind of tied up, though. Yeah, but... Ugh. Ugh. Eh. Oh... You know, you know how I feel about Yoshida in singles matches. Yeah, Yoshida in singles matches against... Kagator, who's been doing his whole uh, trying to lobby Tri Vanguard and uh, Maximum to be a member thing. That was really cute, actually. Mm-hmm. He tries to when sneak up show, on them. When he would show up in, like, full gear. Yeah. And that gear's not cheap. Kagator's putting some money into lobbying these guys. <laughs> but that's it for the... Uh, non-title, non-main event matches. The Bravegate match, as we were talking about earlier, is Dragon Kid versus Yosuke Santa Maria. So, first I feel like we need to talk about Dragon Kid being Bravegate champion. Yeah. Dragon Kid. And, yeah. basically, what I have to say about this is a very well-known quote. Those who do not acknowledge the past are doomed to repeat it. Yep. Dragon Kid is a 40-year-old man who is made of very thin glass. He has bird bones. Does anyone remember how his Twin Gate, mat, twin gate reign with Shima ended? Mm-hmm. So I really hope that they're using him as a transitional champion. Um, and giving Maria a victory, a singles victory over him would be pretty huge. Oh, Totally. I don't have that many hopes because we know that Dragon Gate loves the bait and switch when it comes to people like Maria and KZ, but I will be very happy if she wins. And I will continue to be very angry if Dragon Kid goes on to have like a 300-day reign. Yeah, yeah. Well, he won't because he'll get injured before that, but... 
That is true. He'll probably find another way to break a bird bone or something. Uh, the thing I would say about Maria is she's been the focal point of all the Tri Vanguard storylines. So good. It's what she deserves. True, but like, but my point is that by doing so, they they've really built her up to it, and she was mad about not being. She was mad about mm. not being in the te- in the tournament, and. She's started to show an edge, which is awesome. And I think this would be a good move. Like, like regardless... No, it would, it would absolutely be the right move. Right. But how many times have we said that something would be the right move for Dragon Gate and they haven't done it? That's fair. That's fair. So, excuse me for being a little bit skeptical. Oh, oh no, you're, you're totally entitled to be skeptical about it. Just for me, it feels like with how the storyline is built up. Maybe I'm, oh, yeah. I'm being the optimist here, and I'd like to say no, that. No, I think I think that you definitely have the right idea. The question is, do they have the same idea? Yep, and that's usually the problem. That's usually the problem. Um, you know, I mean, Dragon Kid is a good wrestler, and he's definitely um, very iconic and representative of the Brave Gate scene. Mm-hmm. But we've said what we had to say about him as a champion in recent years, you know, um, He's not, he's still a very good wrestler, but he's old mm-hmm. and not in the good way. Yeah. So, you know, let him chill, let him rest, let him have what I'm hoping will be a great match with Maria, put the title on her, and let Dragon Kid chill for a little bit. Yeah. Um, and also, it really kind of makes me laugh this recent Bravegate history, because do you remember when Yoshino vacated the belt because he felt that he belonged to a younger generation? Oh, yeah. For Genki to immediately win it after him? Yes. (laughs) Yeah, oh, totally. And then we had... We were on a pretty good streak with Tozawa, Kotoka, Eita, and Maria. KZ2. True, KZ, to, what, in, in order, it was KZ, Tozawa, Kotoka, Maria, and Eita. Right. And then Eita never actually lost the belt. Mm-hmm. And since Eita, the champions have been Kagatora, Konda, Punch, and Dragon Kid. A mixed bag. They are all in their mid to late 30s. I don't think Punch is in his 30s. Punch is, 30, Punch is early 30s, but... I mean, punch is... It's punch. It is. Know? But it is punch. Kagatora, Konda, and Dragon Kid. I think Kagatora is like 33, 34. Konda is... I think Konda... Konda's 40. Oh, Konda is turning 40 this year. Konda is turning 40 and having his 20th anniversary this year, actually. Right. And Dragon Kid is like maybe 40, 41, something like that as well. Konda... Yeah. So, uh, oh, Kagatora is 35. Sorry, what? Kagator's 35, because you remember, he was a Torimon X guy. Oh, fuck, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so much for the younger generation. Let's go back to that. Well, well, then, we? well then, let's talk about the uh, Brave Gate tournament, where you had, like, you had UT in it, you had you had Jason Lee in it, you had Kaido Ishida in it, and mm-hmm. and then you also had Kness versus Dragon Kid, which, don't get me wrong, my favorite I mean, dude. it's always welcome. Time. Yeah, it's always welcome. I'm like, come on, guys. But those are two 40-year-old dudes. Yeah. Hey. Let me show you their actual ages. Oh. Uh, Kness? Dragon Kid... Sorry. 
Dragon Kid is tur is forty two, mm-hmm. and Kness I think he's one of the oldest guys on the roster. Yeah, that's actually. what I was about to say. I think he's like forty seven. Uh, Kness Saito Makoto. Kness is has just turned forty three yesterday. Okay, he's younger than I thought he was. I thought he was older because I knew he no. did Indies before. No, 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 he's forty four. Sorry, forty four. Born in seventy seventy four. Okay. 44. I'm terrible at math. Sorry. Oh, it's fire. No, Mochi remains the oldest guy on the roster. Thank you very much. Hey, best... Um, oldest guy, best guy. Best boy. Oh, of course. He's my husband, after all. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so... You know, we always appreciate a revival of Kinez vs. Dragon Kid. Mm-hmm. But... Not necessarily in that kind of setting. Right. Why not throw Shun or Hyo? In that setting. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm totally with you, dude. Like, and that's why I'm. So, yeah. It's not that I appreciate these guys. It's just that Dragon Gate is a company that usually is pretty spot on with continuity, but this has just been a mess. Oh, I mean, the, you, you know how off they've been on continuity this year. <laughs> okay. The, 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 you... Oh. Okay. Oh, yeah. I I I know you've heard this from me before because it really bugs me. The reason why yeah. they always do an eight-person tournament for the Brave Gate is because the Brave Gate medallion on the front breaks yes. eight pieces. And the thing What is, happened to tradition, man? What happened to the pieces? You're supposed to collect the pieces from everyone you beat in the tournament so that the winner has all eight pieces, they put it on the belt, they're Brave Gate champion. It was not oh. there. Not there, dude. Gets me... Mm. Ah. Frustrates me, but... What does not frustrate me, how's that for a segue, is the open the Twin Gate match we have at Dead or Alive as T-Hawk and Ada make a defense against Big Ben of Big R Shimizu and Ben and Benke. This should be very good. Yeah. We all love Big Ben. Mm-hmm. And I personally love T-Hawk and Ada. Oh, I love T-Hawk and Ada as a team. It's just T-Hawk by himself just doesn't do much for me. Well, I know, I'm the last T-Hawk fan alive, okay? Leave me alone. <laughs> this side of the fandom, anyway. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's going to be pretty good. I think it's going to be interesting to see A-Time there with guys who totally, like, tower and overpower him. Oh, totally. I mean, Ada might be 70 kilos. Might be. Yeah, soaking wet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, well, I, mean, he, I mean, he greases up before each match, so. Ew. He's a very he's a very moist looking guy when he comes out. That's all I'm saying. Please don't use that word. Okay, this is that word free podcast. But like getting back to this match, I have loved how Big Ben like dating back to pre Maximum when it was like Doi Yoshi Gun. Like like they had they've had a great chemistry. They had that pretty good one of the better matches of CK One's reign, and. Mm. I because th- I think what's what's going to happen in the, in the next match. I think, I think they might win. It would be interesting. Yeah. I think the thing about Dead or Alive every year, then I I think that, and I think that every year is that, a lot of the times I try to think of the results of the title matches in perspective with the result of the cage match. Right. So here, there is a lot at stake with 
uh, Takagi being one of the participants in the cage match and TNE having their title defense with the dissension that's been happening within um, within that unit. Um, yeah, with, so, with, with Antios, yeah. Yeah, with the freaking stupid ass name. Um, so yeah, I usually try to think, so it will be interesting if T-Hard and Ata come out victorious and Takati comes out bald. Oh, that'd be great. Oh, fuck. You have no idea how long I've been waiting for it. There's a lot of options on this card, which does not always feel that way about Dead or Alive cards, because Dead or Alive is usually the thing that really leads you on to what's going to be happening at Kobe World. So that this one, there's a lot of options on where they might go at Kobe World. So I'm looking at, I'm looking at the three title matches, and I can see legitimate cases on why Maria could become a new champion, why Big Ben should win, and why KZ, Ginky, and Susumu should win. So yeah. there's a lot of interesting things here. But this is, I, I think this Twin Gate match, knowing that T&E are back gelling as a team, really has potential to be the sleeper match of the show. Mm. But, but the last title match and the one that probably has the most ramifications for what might be happening at Kobe World is the Open the Triangle Gate Championship match where the maximum champion team of Doi Yoshi and Jason Lee defend against the uh, KZ Gun KZ Gun Team KZ as they're being called actually so Team KZ team of KZ Ginky Horiguchi and Susumu Yokosuka. First of all, what a fucking lineup. Yeah, six bangers. What a fucking lineup. And um, what I like about this is that both of these teams represent the three principles of the Triangle Gates. Right. Which is also what I loved about the team that no one else liked um, of uh, to, which I think was um, Tozawa Yoshino and Zawa, T-Hawk, and Yoshino. Right. Yeah. Um, those, yeah, so yeah, those two teams, the Maximum team and the, the KZ team, I feel like Doi and Susumu are the power. Yeah. Yoshino and Genki are the technique, and KZ and Jason Lee are the mind. Oh, totally. I didn't think about that before, but that makes perfect sense. I always the, because the tri, because the triangle gate was built on those principles. It, it's essentially you know not all teams are going to reflect that, but I always like when a team does. Mm-hmm. You know, Seahawk was the power, Yoshino was the technique, and Tozawa was the mind. Right. So I like that. I like that there's there's this sort of balance between them. I think this match is going to be really fucking good. Yeah, and it seems like to me. I'm heavily leaning towards Team KZ taking the belts here. I would love that. They're starting a unit? They're free- starting a well, Yeah. They're starting a unit. Mm-hmm. And um, they're a pretty well-balanced team. And I feel like Doi Yoshi and Jason Lee have had... Actually, I don't know if their reign has been that lengthy. When did they win the belts? Final Gate? Final Gate. They beat Tri Vanguard. Oh yeah, so it's it's okay then. It's okay for a triangle gate raid. Yeah, yeah, six months. I think it's fine. Yeah. Um, so, I think that the team has had some really great matches, and I think that 
it's been really instrumental in installing Jason Lee as like a mainstay of Dragon Gate as well. Yeah. So they could pass the belts on and I would still feel like that reign really came to like full circle and served a purpose. And it would free up Doi and Yoshi, which might be yes. very important at Kobe World. I'm not going to say anything else because we'll get into why that's important at Kobe World when we get into King of Gate. But it, let's it, finish with. Uh, Sorry, what? Oh, oh, I was just I was just leaving that leaving that illusion trailing, giving him like a little hmm for for a couple minutes. But uh, let's get to the main event. I'm gonna need to take a breath before I read this. So, Caballera contra Caballera. Steel Cage seven or survival seven way match Masaki Mochizuki versus Yamato versus Ryo Saito versus Punch Tomonaga versus El Lindeman versus Shingo Takagi versus Yazushi Kanda. Mm. That was a lot to say. And the match rules are because each year there's kind of different rules, and this one has it. So uh, basically, without reading the entire thing. Uh, the first aspect about it is no one can grab a flag in the first 10 minutes. After the first 10 minutes, everyone can grab a flag until there's only going to be five flags. Even though there's seven people, five flags. When the fifth flag is chosen, leaving two people in the ring, then they have five minutes to come to a decision. If, if there's not a winner after five minutes, both the competitors' heads would be shaved. Additionally, if Shingo escapes the cage, he can... <laughs> vacate the Open the Wari Gate Championship. Additionally, one last thing there <laughs> to it. This is why I said I got a lot of things to talk here. Uh, each unit will be given an opportunity to disrupt the match to their liking, whether it be to prevent an escape or provide assistance to a fighter inside the cage. After, es- after escaping the cage as possible at the 10-minute mark, units will begin to rotate through the 5-minute intervals where they can disrupt, disrupt the match. Each unit will get one interval where the match can end before, or the match can end before all of them have finished. And the order just the order is Antios, Independence, Maximum, Team KZ, Over Generation. And if somehow this match is going 35 minutes, which it probably will, it will be a Tri Vanguard. And so instead of having everyone outside the cage at the same time this year, now they're going to rotate them. And that's the rules for this year's Dead or Alive match. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like Dragon Gate just wants me to like take out my own brain with pliers and give it to them. Um, Milo, can you stall for one second? I'm leaving this edit in there because after saying all that, I need to take a drink of water. Sorry, what? Never mind. I was going to ask you to fill time because I needed water after that, but we're good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Are you okay? I can talk now. I lost my voice over Mania Weekend, but it's coming back slowly. But I can talk. But let's let's get into this because finally, all like the interspersing storylines about uh, the Brave Gate or the previous Brave Gate champions, the Warai Gate, Antios being in, in disruption. Somehow, Mochizuki and Yamato are involved for reasons unbeknownst to them, even. And yeah, it's it's this to me. This is always like one of the wild matches of the year, and everyone gets kind of excited for it. Even people who aren't usual Dragon Gate watchers. So, I feel like this one has an opportunity to get really wild this year. 
I don't like the fact that not all units will be outside together. Right. Because I feel like that's at least 40% of enjoyment of the cage match each year is like all the units causing mayhem outside. Mm-hmm. All at the same time, of course. Yeah. So... And like also, like there's no maximum in this one. So it's like all that they really want to do is pretty much just, I guess, attack someone, I guess, really. There's no one they need to get out. And the same thing for Team KZ. So that's kind of weird. It's, it's going to be very confusing. Even as I watch it, I feel like I'm going to forget the rules. They should superimpose the rules on the screen. <laughs> Because it, this is one of the shows I try to watch live, so it'll be 5.30 in the morning when this match happens my time, maybe? 6.30? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be dead asleep, like half a, half asleep trying to understand this match. So make it easier on us guys next year, please. I don't understand. I just... Yeah. So who do you think are going to be the last two? Okay, uh... Normally, I would say uh, Mochizuki Yamato, but not with the other people in this match, you know? Mm. I'm always, I don't really want to beat down on Punch Tomonaga, but I feel like he's the guy who could have the big moment during this match. You know? Oh, he's definitely escaping. Yeah, but I think... I like, feel like you're going to give him, like, his... Like, he got his first five minutes of glory when he held the Brave Gates. Yeah. I feel like they're going to give him the remaining 10 here. Yeah. And then he'll be the last post in the KZ unit. Right, yeah. I feel like he'll be the last one to grab a flag. You know? Mm-hmm. So he does have to be one-on-one with Takagi, which would be a good... Which would make sense given their storyline, but I just don't see them doing that. I think because Takagi has his belt that he wants to get rid of, I think he has to be a part of it. The last mm-hmm. two. But at the same time, I can't see them going and shaving Mochizuki's head. And having him win. I think... I could see it being Lindemann and Shingo. Now I'm thinking about it. Right, so Mochizuki escaping and keeping his belt. Oh, the belt's not... I, I should have made this clear at the beginning. The belt's not on the line this year. That was just I last year. I thought it year. was. No. I thought it... I'm so confused. I, I should really make, like, graphics up to post on Twitter when this happens to explain what this match is this year, you know? Because this is wild. But... Mm. So who are the two you think will be last in the cage? Honestly, I don't know. Without the belt on the line, I have no idea. That is the thing. <laughs> Confusing as hell, man. Well, I know which one you, who you I don't lose. know, fuck. I feel but no, I feel like Takagi has to be in there at the end. Not right. just not just because you want him to get his ugly head shaved, but also because he's at the center of that that dissension storyline. Right. So, and this is not, I feel like, 
is this not like the third year in a row that Takagi is in the cage? Well, last year it was all of Yamato's previous challengers in him. And the year before that was all of Berserk. So yes, third year in a row. So... I feel like he has to lose at some point. Right, yeah. But, yeah. Um, Takagi and Lindemann being the last two left would be interesting because it would be a way to test um, where the rest of Antias' loyalty really, really lies. Yeah, especially... Because you know that even if it's not their turn or they're not allowed to interfere or whatever, they're still coming out. Oh, absolutely. Like, it's Dragon Gate. <laughs> Rules don't mean anything. They're just words. There are things we say just to let ourselves sleep easier at night. Exactly. Um, Yagi writing these rules was like, well, I did what I could. But he's probably was so proud of himself. <laughs> oh, God. Um, he probably thought that everybody would be so confused by the rules that they wouldn't have time to break them. Right. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I feel, I feel like it just makes sense for Takagi to be one of the last in. Right. Just because he's at the center of the storyline. Mochizuki, if his belt's not on the line, it makes no sense for him to be in the last two. Yeah. Yamato is not important enough to any of the storyline that is happening right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Takagi and Punch would be interesting. Um, but I don't think that they would go out and out with Punch pinning Takagi. Mm-hmm. I think that him escaping by, like, punting Takagi on the head would be <clears throat> already a glorious moment for Punch. So, I really don't know. Takagi and basically anyone else. Yeah. But Takagi and Lindemann would actually be a pretty interesting pretty interesting idea. Because you know that Takagi is going to ask Lindemann to lie down for him. Oh, yeah. And you know that Lindemann is not going to do it. Because he's also insufferable. Mm. It's interesting. I I feel like this is a lot more interesting than last year's. You know, with the title and knowing it was like getting close to Kobe World. I know we both, I I know that we all were like, okay, are they going to make this as a way for Yamato to lose the belt? But in in retrospect, it was pretty obvious they were going to have him win it. But this Mm -hmm. year, you know, they have so many different convoluted rules. (laughs) <laughs> so so that is Kobe World oh not Kobe World Kobe World is in July I'm still getting off cold medicine but uh, that, that is Dead or Alive 2018 again it is on May 6th from Aichi and it will be on the DG network but right after that like pretty much I believe two days later starts King of Gate 2018 and as we talked about earlier the uh, co- the uh, blocks are a lot more interesting this year. There is Mochizuki setting it out because he will defend the Dream Gate against the winner on June 10th. So Mochizuki is not in it. As we mentioned earlier, she... And the winner is not getting the Kobe World shot. No, they are not getting the Kobe World shot. They're getting it immediately. Mm. I believe, because I believe the finals are... Yeah, the finals are on the 9th. And then on the 10th is the Dreamgate match. Mm. So there's also a last place tournament that's going to happen. Oh, God damn it. Because they want to make this incredibly convoluted. But I like that because 
that might be a good place for like a rookie to you know get some wins mm. and then yeah so no shima no t-hawk no Mo- no masaki mochizuki no l lindeman's not in it either so that's interesting i'm gonna read the blocks we have so far so the a block has yamato kz ben k Kanda, and then the rookie representative mm. so that's a interesting block to start off with do you have any like initial thoughts on it not really <laughs> fair it, because i think i can't really tell you anything until i know who the last person is yeah because if it's ut then who knows right mm. or mm. if it's og oh og baby i think that'd be it that'd be a big statement OG could have, like... Sorry. Oh, no, I was gonna say, go ahead. OG could have, like, a 2016 Lindeman run. Yeah, oh, totally. He loses all of his matches, but has, like, a time limit draw with a veteran. Mm Mm-hmm. Especially against Yamato. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. So that's A block. Uh, B block is BB Hulk, Big R Shimizu, Takashi Yoshida, Ginky Horiguchi, and Jason Lee. Hmm. That that's a real interesting block. It's an interesting block, also because I wonder if they would ever if they would have maybe Jason Lee mm-hmm. winning his block. I feel like he seems in it for the long haul. Right. Someone who's definitely impressed. Yeah. Whoever makes the decisions. Because not only is he a champion, but he's been booked pretty strongly since he got here. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if he won the block or placed second in his block. And really, this is a block that you could argue all five of them have a reason for winning. Hmm. Hulk might be a little tough, but Hulk hasn't won a block in a while. So, he could do it. Shimizu, of course, could. Yoshida, probably least likely. likely. And you can't count out Kinki Horiguchi in a tournament. So, interesting block, though. Jason Lee in it, I think, is a pretty, as you were saying, like a pretty good seal of approval for his his kind of position in Dragon Gate. So, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I think it'll be interesting. Him versus Shimizu? That should be fun. Yes, the buddies. The, bu- the buddies. Their Instagrams had just had them. Maxima must just have crazy sponsors, or they just like eating out and drinking. Mm-hmm. Either way, I like it, and they all seem like friends, and I don't want them ever to break up. Honestly, they are the rowdiest, most like. Um. Fuck, I lost my word. It's a word I use all the time, so of course I don't remember it. Um, most, like... Not enticing, but... I don't know, they're just very warm, you know? Yeah, like, there's legitimate friendship there. Like, they, they really give off this very, like, tight-knit... Yeah, tight-knit friendship, almost like family. Um, very, just, like, fun and rambunctious and... I really enjoy that. I really love, like, all of them. Mm-hmm. Like, Doi's Instagram is definitely more like the dad type, but... Well, I feel like Yoshino's the ultimate dad because he doesn't even bother social media. 
But Doi's is a dead Instagram. You know? He really fucking does. Mm-hmm. And then Shimizu and Jason Lee are just like the rowdy boys. Oh, they are. And Ben K is not trusted with technology. <laughs> How many phones do you think Ben K's gone through in his life? How many phones? Yeah. Uh, who knows? Because I just see him being the type of person who is... Everyone has a friend that constantly has like a broken screen on their phone. Yeah. That's Ben That's K. Definitely, that's definitely him. Yeah. So, speaking of the dad... C-Block is Naruki Doi, Dragon Kid, Ada, Yosuke Santa Maria, and Punch Nobunaga. Mm-hmm. That is a... I don't know. At first glance, I'm like, oh, Doi, obviously. But now that I look at it more, you can make arguments for pretty much most of them. Yeah. But I don't know. It's yeah. Mm. It's... Who do you? My gut's naturally Naruki Doi. Ooh. Just because he made, he oh, made the semi last year as well, right? Oh, he made the finals against Seahawk. Fuck, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You are right. But at the same time, Ada, like kind of hard to go against Ada in that block. Maria's on her rampage. <laughs> uh, Dragon Kid and Punch, they're probably my two least likely, if that makes sense. You know? But Punch, who knows? Punch might, we might be seeing the air of Punch Tomonaga right now, and I might be in hell. So. Uh, that might be a little far-fetched. Yeah, yeah. That's why I think those two are least likely. So, uh, Doi or Ada, most likely. Santa Maria, definitely in the realm of possibility. Dragon Kid and Punch Tomonaga, not likely. Is that fair to say? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. I think it's a pretty good assessment. D block is the bangers block, though, just because of the matchups that we might have. It's Yoshino, Takagi, Yokosuka, Saito, and Kagatora. That's the killer block. That's the block of death that this was the World Cup. Yeah. Who do we think? I like your host, Scott. That's who I was going to say. I will always be rooting for him, though, so... And he's always great in these tournaments. He really is. Last year with KZ, the year before that with Ada. Oh, fuck, that match is still so fucking good. You're right? Oh. I still get, like, chills thinking about it. Apocalypses, my favorite move in all of wrestling that's only happened twice. That was so fucking, that was raw, that was metal as fuck, like. Yeah. Honestly, I still maintain that this is perhaps still the best singles match of Aita's career. I think so too, just because the singles matches he had with Tozawa never really got to the point where they could. Well, that draw was really good though. The draw was probably the other one I would point out. So, Mm. yeah. Uh, it's hard to bet against Yoshino. Yoshino has has had some great matches against the other four. Takagi is great in this format. Saito can pull matches out of nowhere, and Kagatora gets matches against four big guys and two other former Jimmys. You know, it's gonna be really, really interesting. Yeah, 
I, I think that's the block of death, and I'm still thinking Yokosuka. Yeah, me too. So, so the tournament will start on May 8th, so right after Dead or Alive. A lot of it is we making the network. They are taping Takagi's Homecoming again, which is always a weird-ass show. So, And there's they'll have shows throughout May into June, and the finals will be against Masaki Mochizuki on June 10th. The winner of the tournament will go against Masaki Mochizuki on June 10th for the Dream Gate. And there will be a tournament for the King of Gate last place. So... Mm-hmm. It's interesting time, and I think we have time left to get into kind of the last big topic, and that is the Dragon Gate Network. <laughs> and I remember saying that I was think I I think I was usually saying forty sixty that it was not going to happen. I feel like I was saying that, but it happened while we were gone. Dragon Gate, yeah, launched the network, and. I feel like, honestly, I was joking that, like, Secret Base would get a network before Dragon Gate. <laughs> made me eat my words. Hey, Gaora, give us, and Gaora, take us, you know? <laughs> and I have had, had it ever since. Uh, I'm gonna come, I'm gonna come correct here. There's some things about the network I really like. I like the fact that all the uh, places that they tape, they air live. I like that so far everything has had live production. I like that there's a week to watch shows. What I really hate. So I like far, their. Pl- I like that their player lets you continue a show where you stopped. Oh, I haven't noticed that before. Well, it does. I'm telling you this. Oh, I usually sit straight through. I block myself out like three hours. And I'm going to watch a show. That's awesome. That actually makes me want to use it more. That's a great thing that more more streaming services should have. You know. That is true. But what really sucks is the archive so far. The archive just has, like, 20 shows. And, like, I understand that they have this... I mean, I understand that they have this contract with with Gaiora, even though I'm not exactly sure how the contract works, and I don't necessarily understand the intricacies of it. Mm -hmm. But I feel like at least the Kodakran should be on there. Like, right after the live alive yeah because they're not the only company that are bound to you know tv contracts but new japan and ddt usually manage to have their live shows up on replay within a few hours and they stay there yeah like that's the problem with dragon gates is you have a week to watch a show so it's kind of like nico nico in that regard but then it goes off and None of the shows have come back yet, even though Gaora has had the broadcast viewing of the shows. So it, it's really difficult to, if if you're like how we've been, to keep up with stuff if we have a busy two or three weeks where you can't watch, where you can't like find the time to watch mm. it before it goes off. You, if that makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. I feel like it has the, kind of the same issue that people have with the Big Japan Network. I, I've never used the Big Japan Networks. So. I know that a lot of people are very excited about it, mm-hmm. but it seems that they're taking a lot of time putting up their bigger shows, yeah. like the Kodak shows, and I think that the Dragon Gate Network is having the same problem. Yeah, and you would think with Dragon Gate, with their closer relationship to Gaora, that they would be able to, you know, 
not have that hurdle, but they do. And the archive is... It has every Kobe world so far. It has most of the shows from 2017. All the shows through the end of February, but nothing from Champion Gate. Nothing from... Uh, I'm trying... I'm, no, Wakayama, of course, is not on there because that's its own thing. And Kobe and uh, Korkin for Maple aren't up there yet. So... Mm-hmm. It has been... It frustrates me because, like... Milo, I feel like this is something that Dragon Gate, with how hard sometimes it is for people to get into, that this kind of service would be perfect for them because you have entry points, you have, like, match selections because they've been doing, like, best matches of people's years. But they just kind of trip over themselves, you know? Hmm. It's... I feel like they shouldn't have launched it if it wasn't ready. Yeah, that's what if they didn't have, like. if, if they didn't have all the authorizations, all the paperwork laid out, all the things very clear on how they could distribute the shows. Because now it just leaves people waiting and waiting. Yeah. And that's not to get into how they have those two tiers, too. Hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. Which one did you get? I have the, uh, I, I'm paying the full 15. Oh, jeez. Because if, because if you don't pay the full 15, then all you get are the Kobe Worlds and the random shows from 2017. You don't get the live viewings. You don't get the one week of catch-up, the catch-up viewings. You only get mm. the archive. Mm. Which I think is a terrible marketing model for a company it's, like this. It really is, because... A lot of other companies don't necessarily make people pay that much for for it either. I mean, the price is nine is nine hundred ninety nine yen. Right. And everybody makes people pay that more or less, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I know DDT does. Um, New Japan does. Um, I'm pretty sure that Big Japan is the same price. Um, All Japan too, maybe. Maybe. I, 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 I actually have no idea for this one, but I'm just going to guess. Um, and it's, aside from New Japan, it's not like any of these companies are like more financially well-off than Dragon Gate that they can afford to lower the price. I don't understand why Dragon Gate would do this. Because it feels like something that would turn people off. Oh, yeah. Of, of subscribing altogether. Yeah, like, if you're going to pay $9.99 a month, it would be like, okay... The shows will be up right after the TV airing, and everything's there. Then, because they have everything from Toriumon, because Gaora has always been their broadcast partner. Like, at least personally for me, that's not a bad deal. But what they're offering now, I can't tell people to do it unless they're able to devote the time to watch shows live. Or close to live. And for, at least for me, my, my frustration is I'm right now looking at the live schedule for the network for May, and there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight live shows. Okay. And who knows when those live shows are going to be up on the network if you don't watch them within a week of them of them happening. Yeah, I don't understand. Like, it. They should have waited. 
they, yeah, I, I don't understand what happened. Well, like what happened if, if they didn't get like the proper authorizations if the pap- the paperwork wasn't ironed out. Just wait. People have been waiting years already for a Dragon Gate network. They can wait a few more weeks for you to like really get things in order and be able to deliver the best service, especially at a price that is, um, you know, dollars over what all of your competitors offer. Right. It's just bad marketing. It's bad marketing. And why did you do it at 4-1, even though there was a live show that day? When you could have waited five more weeks, launch it at Dead or Alive, or wait two months, have it completely ironed out, everything's perfect, and launch it at Kobe World. You know? Mm. Like, as you said, it's marketing, and I don't think they've marketed it well. So, if you have the network, there's a lot of stuff up there, and if you have the live portion of the network, you have eight shows to watch in May, and there's going to be a lot of cool stuff coming up ahead because that will be dead or alive and the majority of king gate so Mm-mm. i uh, actually have a question for you i, I like yes. your, your thoughts on this tell me of what's been announced for the network what would you add to the network as content that they aren't going to offer so let's list off what they have they have live airings. They have live viewings. Mm-hmm. Um, one week kind of like rewind for the live things. Right. Kind of similar to Nico, actually, right? Yeah, exactly like it, to be honest. Uh, they have a very shallow archive. Yep. And they have Prime Zone. They have Prime Zone. They also- Again, I don't know if they have all the archive of Prime Zone. Let me see. Which I don't really care because Prime Zone used to be a lot better than it is now. Yeah. So what? So what? In your dream world, would you add to the network to make it? More... Do they have the Yamato cooking show? Do they have what? Sorry. The Yamato cooking show. I think they do. Yes, they do have Yamato's exciting kitchen. Oh, energetic kitchen. My bad. Yamato's energetic kitchen. Honestly, this is gonna make me sound like a stupid white person, which I am, but subtitles on those things. I know that they used to do subtitles for Prime Zone, and I have no idea what they stopped. The person they used to have do subtitles was no longer available. Okay, but is that person the only person who is able to do Japanese to English translation and subtitles? I think the fuck not. Oh yeah, you're, you're, ex- you're exactly right. I don't know if it's a question of like not wanting to expand the funds mm-hmm. to pay someone to do this, but I feel like if Stardom can do it, Dragon Gate can do it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know that it comes from a very Anglo-Saxon-centric point of view. Yeah. But I feel like you know, New Japan are also doing translations of their backstage promos. And that's become a huge thing. And that's become a huge thing, and that's become something that helps people. The same way, the same thing, you know, with stardom is something that helps people from all over the world really get involved in the product and want to continue financially supporting that product. Yeah. Of course, the Japanese audience is always going to be the core audience and the core people that they want to please. 
But I think that Dragon Gate knows that they have a cult following overseas. Um, and I think that having subtitles on things like backstage interviews and promos after shows would be a plus for them. Yeah. So, you know, obviously, um, there's a ton of things that you could do to improve that network, but I feel like it's something that kind of needs to make a comeback because I know that Prime Zone was really popular also for that reason. Yeah. And I feel like I haven't really seen anybody talk about Prime Zone since they removed the subtitles. Yeah. No. When it's actually a pretty useful tool to go more in-depth with characters or just get some some of the offbeat humor that Dragon Gate does. Um, so, you know, for me personally, as a Western fan, that is definitely something that I would wish for. But in terms of just content, I think that it would be useful for them to create, you know, first of all, to, of course, get more archived content um, on the network but I think it would be really interesting if they did something like sorting matches by stipulation. So because Dragon Gate does a lot of Dragon Gate. Do, sorry. Oh no, I was gonna say. Dragon, yes. Oh, I was gonna say like so you'd want it to be like cage matches, apuestas, elimination Basi matches. Basically, um, because Dragon Gate does a lot of stip, and a lot of those stip matches are the ones that people actually talk about a lot. Right. So. Put a side category in your archive with like, here's all the cage match, ca cage matches. Here's all the losing unit disbands matches. Here's all the mascara contra mascara matches or the cabellera contra cabellera matches. And here's all the, even, fuck, even the fucking doy darts matches. Oh yeah, totally. You know, all this, all these weird, crazy, random end of year matches. And here's all the Naniwa elimination matches. And here's all the two out of three falls matches. Mm -hmm. You know, because here's all the two counts, rope escape, whatever that thing is called. I can't remember. <laughs> but, you know, that. Yeah. Um, because, because Dragon Gate does so many matches with various stipulations like this i think it would be a an interesting way to organize the archive of course you would still have you know the shows by year or by venue like every other um or like a lot of streaming services do which is the way that it should be organized but for for something that is specific to dragon gate i think it would be an interesting way to organize those specific matches yeah if someone wants to go back and rewatch, for example, the entire history of the cage match, then they don't have to go and seek, you know, every single dead or alive show or every single show where there was a cage match. They right. can just click on like the cage matches playlist and play that. I think that would be an interesting addition to the network. I think it would help uh, for Dragon Gate since it is such a stipulation heavy um, promotion. 
And that would be the wildest playlist I could think of, having all the cage matches in a row. Right? You would be in for hours of entertainment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't... If they do that, like, please, guys, don't develop a drinking game for that, because that can get really dangerous really quickly. But, no. You thought, you thought Joey Janela's Spring Break was bad? I had a time at Joey Janela's Spring Break, Milo. <laughs> I... That was the most bizarre but most fun experience of my wrestling life. So, yeah, totally. Mm. I ended up giving a beer to Nate Webb. I ended up getting beer from Martina. And that was just, oh. in, the, that was just in the clusterfuck alone. Mm. I, I, I'm putting together, like, my, like, live report for Voices of Wrestling. And it's taken me a while because getting back into town, working, I'm going to be moving soon and then getting over the mania crud but i actually got like a whole bunch of photos and like camera video clips of it that i was second row like right in front of the entrance way so i see sasuke like dive through tables and all of that it was wild it was insane mm. i actually really like that idea of the categories for that i didn't even think about that as a possibility but you're absolutely right that would own if they had that y you know what i would love to see I think it would be interesting, and obviously, like, subtitles, as you were saying before, it's a very Western kind of thing, and I think it's something that they should look into if they're not. I would love if they would do histories or, like, story or, like, interviews with the wrestlers that so we could understand, like, more, like, not just, like, oh, this is what I felt about the match, but, like, feud retrospectives I think would be really neat. That would be really cool, actually. Like, go back and... Is... I'm going to say, go back and talk to Shima and uh, and Masaki Mochizuki about their feud. Go back to Kinect yeah. and Dragon Kid. That's what I was going to say. You could have playlists that chronicle these feuds, like Shima and Mochizuki, Kinect and Dragon Kid, even Hulk and Shingo. Oh, yeah, totally. And have, you know, the matches and the segments interspecific, whatever that word is, um, with interviews. Yeah. That that is that is a really good idea as well. Hire us, Dragon Gate. Hey. What are you waiting for? We could take care of all these things, and I think that's the frustrating thing about this. The two of us together have experience in cinematography and editing. Maybe. Come we on. Maybe Come we on. should also be be like the English commentators while we're at it. Just just let us sit <laughs> there and commentate on matches. That would. People would never tune out of a stream so fast yeah that, that, that is fair as soon as i would <laughs> I, I would shout out my small leopard son at hio watanabe you would just be sitting there through every match like where is kenichi right i i mean i generally wonder where he is i want to make sure he's okay <laughs> you know i think that's I, a, I think it's a fair worry to have about kenichi arai mm. but so yeah uh the uh dragon gate network it's kind of it has a lot of potential but there's some there's a lot of things that we would change and maybe it maybe it was a bit premature i think is the way to put it which is kind of painful to say about I, something that we really wanted i think that they saw the success of so many streaming services because i know the new japan world and ddt universe are very successful mm -hmm. and big japan and all japan also launched their their own services like i said to various degrees of success i think people have really been liking the all japan streaming service so far right but i've also seen a lot of complaints about the big japan service just not being up to the standard that people now expect yeah so 
I think that they probably wanted in on that um, as fast as they could. The problem is that they didn't really take into account all the authorizations that they needed to get, and the fact that Gearai is a fucking pain in the ass when it comes to airing rights. Yeah. So, definitely, I will be. I, I am always absolutely, you know, willing to give them a chance. Yeah. And see how they can improve on what they have. But I just hope that it does. Yeah, especially something with this much potential, you know? Yeah. Because Dragon Gate's, like, had its peaks and valleys, especially with Western fans. And this is an interesting time for Dragon 